the best part of your week is about to begin. This is the time where we talk shop, swap stories, and share lessons from our wild adventures in the creative industry. With each and every lovingly crafted episode, we strive to bottle that magic, warm, electric feeling you get after coffee with a new friend or attending a fantastic breakout session at a creative conference. You might start as strangers, but you'll leave as friends. Buckle up, settle in, and get ready for this episode of Freelance Fridays. Hands up to play in my song, Butterflies Fly Away. Guys, it is Friday. I am here. Creative 24 was yesterday. I am absolutely tanked. Uh, living on a prayer. I don't know why I got so many song lyrics like bumbling around up here today, but um, I'm, I'm excited, guys. It's Friday. It's, it's, it's the, the time of the week where we meet. And uh, if you guys didn't get enough uh, talking heads yesterday, talking about church creativity in the conference, here we are. Uh, if you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, I'll drop a link below. But Creative 24 was yesterday. It was fantastic. Uh, but we're not here to talk about that. Welcome to another episode of Freelance Fridays, the show where creators get together and we ask them one big question. I'm joined, as always, by former emo maven and current doodle guru, Ashley Ulmer. Doodle guru? <laughs> I'm going to change that. That's going to be like my my uh, profile, doodle, doodle like guru. It. Like, and I also feel this hesitancy to ever say, like, illustrator like with my stuff i'm like yeah i don't really illustrate like i make little doodles and little little acts <laughs> to go along with logos like i make icons yeah but as soon as somebody says oh you're an illustrator like i have i have this piece i want done i'm like Ooh. i've currently got a <laughs> that is, that is pushing the the limits of my skills it's uh, a bunch it's actually fascinating it's a it's a you know how like youth camps will have teams yeah and so, or like tribes or whatever they call them. Well, this this is a like a massive youth camp out on the East Coast that they're they're treating each team as a logo project, and they want oh. like vintage style ones and like badge and like the slick modern one and the icon, like a whole set of stuff. But then, like the the keystone piece of all of these is like a like full like true like illustration mascot style deal and i'm like cool. all right guys just so you know like th- here's here's the best i've done in that category up to this point like let's let's figure this out together That's the funnest stuff to work on it is it is i'm really pumped about it and i think uh it's also fun too when you get on a project where like it's a lot of work and it's really hard but it's worth it like it makes yeah. sense for them that we're doing this like that it's yeah. not just you know like all this sweat and effort for 40 teenagers at camp. Not that, you know, every precious lamb is, is precious in God's sight, but still, yeah. um, yeah, it's just one of those things like I know they will use every inch of what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, for sure. For merch and all kinds of stuff. It's going to be cool. Yeah. We got Raz. We got Josh. We got Zeke up in the chats. How are you guys doing today? I can't believe you guys are uh, joining us. I know some of y'all, uh, burned the barn down last night with the 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 conference thing that was that was, that was a grind I, so I'm I, tanked you were there like because i know you hosted it but obviously like your little segments were pre-recorded right or did you do those live no so i spent most of earlier this week like recording the segments okay um and then or i should say like a big chunk of tuesday and then yesterday i was still like in from like 11 to like 1 a.m like moderating and like being yeah. available and for whatever needed, need, all that kind of good Did job. you, this is a funny question, but did you wear the same outfit for your videos as you were live? 
See, I yeah. noticed that because that's what made me that next. that tripped me up because I was like, "There's no way he's doing these live." I was like, "He planned it. He planned his outfit." It's that next level thing. Well, I wore the same clothes three days last week when I did yeah. like test shoot and then the full set and then I did it again for um, the other. Um, Ashley, we had we had three guests that I was very excited about this week. The stomach bug. And now we Took have one out. guest that I'm very excited about this week. Yeah. I'm and I'm pumped too. And honestly, like this is, this is uh, the, the guest is Austin plus Scott. For those of you who might've heard of this guy before he's done a uh, creative direction podcast show, whatever you want to call it, similar to this, whatever this is a show podcast um, through pro church media. Uh, he's uh, been at camp. Actually, I'll let him introduce himself in just a second. Um, but yeah, Carrie and uh, Carrie got the stomach bug and then um, Luke Tharp was supposed to join us. And then he had like one of those, like, do or die cannot miss uh like meetings pop up like out of nowhere too uh, so we're sad that they're not here but honestly austin is the reason we're we're covering this topic today yeah ash what's our question honestly we'll be fine without them we don't need them like we're good we got austin <laughs> just kidding sorry guys if, especially <laughs> especially if they're tuning in live we don't even need you who cares we don't even need you, you. like it's fine like we have austin we're good i <laughs> uh, love it y'all uh y'all show austin some love in the comments here welcoming to the stage austin Plus what's up you guys hey i'm i'm happy to be here this is this is a ton of fun um yeah so the little the little intro i'll try to keep it as short as i can um i pretty much Don't exist you dare. these We've got days an hour and a half work. just uh intro it up baby <laughs> yeah so uh i uh, kind of exist these days to just sort of um empower creatives and churches to do their best work and um that's kind of become my my reason for uh for existing and for 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 existing in a work capacity anyway so uh yeah i'm the creative director at canvas church been here for six and a half years and um that's a long time to be somewhere right so uh anyway i'm i'm here and uh i lead an incredible team of both creatives and uh, production staffers as well and uh we we get to do the Lord's work every single week. And it's uh, it's a lot of work, as you guys know, um, if you've worked in the church capacity at all. But uh, outside of that, along with doing that, I also work with Pro Church Media as a creative mentor and do a show called Creative Direction, where we help people up their game as creatives in the church world in 30 minutes or less. And so uh, anyway, all that being said, um, I'm happy to be here. I feel like this is a long time coming. We've been talking about doing something like this, even back uh, when you guys were doing the Instagram live version of this show. So I'm excited to yeah. be here. I hope- uh, Yo, I that's hope for real. Can... Yeah, so I hope we can- uh, keep things going and that we can have some good conversation today. I do. I really do. Absolutely. Honestly, we were talking about this before the show, but I really do believe that um, this topic today is the reason why I'm here and why I exist. And uh, kind of the reason for my purpose as a creative is, is all to, to share the power of perseverance. And I feel like because of perseverance and because of grit and because of uh, consistency. I think uh, that's the reason why I've had the opportunities that I've had. And so anyway, I can, I can chalk it all up to that and then uh, some divine direction along the way as well. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's, that's long story short. There's a lot of other stuff in there. My backstory, uh, there's a podcast on my Instagram profile. If you're interested in hearing that, you can go to my links and there's a podcast where you can listen to my whole story. There's some church hurt. There's some punk rock. There's some architecture and engineering school. There's all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, 
But yeah, you can go on and listen to that if you want to hear my whole story, but I'll spare you all the details. We're here to talk about consistency and perseverance and grit and grinding it out and what that means and what it could do for you. Because I honestly believe it could change your life. Like, I really believe that if you can develop grit, if you can somehow like dig down deep, um, it could open up a lot of opportunities for you as a creative person. Come on, baby. Yeah, that is, uh, I mean, I I can't remember who said it, but yeah, the, the topic today is consistency. And I think that that, is a killer one for you in particular for several reasons. Um, one, if you guys weren't aware, I know we kind of touched on it, but Canvas Church is uh, where Austin's on staff. And it is the one church of any church. Like I follow a bunch of accounts. It is the one that I can always go like, oh, that's Canvas. Like they have cool. they have done a killer job, presumably through Austin's oversight uh, of like keep one. Like obviously they branded, they just own the color orange now. Um, but it has like a, a really consistent look and feel, but it goes through different seasons and sermon series. And I feel like this is what every church is trying to do, where it's like we want it to feel like us, but also not get boring. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like you guys have done a really great job of that. And that's one angle Thanks, of consistency of like, hey, like, how do you how do you have, like from a brand standpoint, how how do you? keep an eye on consistency uh, along with like the desire to keep pushing and doing fresh stuff and not getting burned out on, on one idea or one, one kind of look. Yeah. We could kind of go, we could go a million different directions with this, but I was thinking about what you guys were talking about uh, last week or a couple weeks ago. You, you were talking about the stereotypical like church series look you guys mm-hmm. kind of made, made mention of that. And uh, I started thinking about it. I'm like, Oh no, do we do that? Like, do we, do we fall into like the stereotypical church branding, like church series look? We all do at some level or another. Yeah, we have those like safe things that we do. uh, And I certainly do too. But um, a lot of this, you know, is I feel like a lot of what my job has become and has always been is to take vision and interpret it. Like I'm, I, I pretty much view my, my responsibility to interpret the vision and then regurgitate it into a visual format to like Mm. manifest it into something visual. So I pretty much, my input is vision and my output is visuals. And so I try to keep the amount of inputs as focused as possible. And I think that's a lot of the reason why the brand is so strong. And thank you for all that. Like, seriously, we work a lot on it. Um, I'm pretty militant about it. I think we all are here on staff. We've, we've become militant about the brand just from a, uh, consistency creates trust standpoint. Like the more consistent you can be, the more trust you, you create with people, you know? So, um, that being said, I try to keep the number of inputs as focused as possible. So you don't have things pulling you in a billion different directions. It's like, we know who we are, we know who we aren't, and we're going to stay focused on that. We're going to be militant about it. And we're going to do that in a way that like obviously glorifies God and fills the fulfills the vision and purpose of the church, but in a way that's also uniquely us. And that's not trying to be something that we're not. Um, and I think right, so you glossed focus, over, I feel like yeah, the pivotal element there, you said, uh, trying to reduce the number of inputs. What's an input. Is that like a request? Is it a voice in the room trying to steer the ship? Is it an idea? Like, or is it all of those things? Yeah. So I worked in a, I worked in a really large church environment when I was in college and, um, right, wrong or indifferent, there was a lot of inputs. And basically that means there was a lot of folks that were trying to steer the ship in certain directions Mm. to fit their, fit their agenda or their style. And so, uh, and I've honestly, honestly, like 
right, wrong, or indifferent, there's a lot of churches out there that don't have a creative staffer anywhere near the top of the org chart. And I'm not saying that our goal is to be at the top of the org chart. Obviously, it's not our that's not us. But if you don't have a creative staffer somewhere near the top of the org chart to help make those big block decisions, you can never yeah. expect it to be visually consistent because somebody's mm -hmm. going to have there's nobody there to 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 funnel it, to funnel yeah. the vision, to funnel the to funnel the move of the church into a, uh, a a visual a certain visual direction and so i honestly and and not going to name names but there are large multi-campus churches out there that have creative staffers they fall under production only or they exist in their own department or they're in a marketing department and they're all mm -hmm. spread out all over the place um i talked to somebody the other day where their creative staffers existed both in production and in a marketing department and they didn't talk to one another their photographers over in production but then their their uh marketing department had their social media manager and they didn't really have a great line of communication i mean in the minute that you start having 50 70 100 staff that's obviously inevitable to a degree, but uh, the ones that I've seen it do it the best. I mean, we think about we think about like I wish Carrie was here because they're one of the ones that do it the best. Um, uh, them, you think about your mosaics. You think about these churches that are that are uh, C three is a church that I always bring up. I think they're incredible in New York. Um, these are churches that I think about, and every, every when I start doing a little digging, I realize and understand that the creative department is in a lot of those big decision meetings. They're in a lot of those big decision conversations. And so they're able to uh, help mold the move before it's fully materialized. Like they're able to have their hands on wherever the church is trying to go early on in the process. And I think that ends up creating a more consistent result. So hopefully that answered the question, but uh, honestly, yeah. it's a pattern that I've seen and talking with creatives all over the country. And I think something like, uh, you know, the people that, a lot of the folks that listen to this are either, you know, designers that serve churches in some capacity or people in the communications role or on the marketing team. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, that sounds cool in theory. Uh, but like, you know, how do I, how do I get a little bit more of that? Um, you know, how do I get invited to those conversations is one thing, because yeah, there's a, there's definitely yeah. a, a thing of like, Hey, we're doing this event, go make stuff for it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, some of that and I think change, one, like, some of that's yeah. in the DNA, you know, some of that's leadership. Well, I also DNA. think it think helps about, to have that conversation where you say, um, Hey, I'm not asking to like decide if we're doing this event or not, yeah. or any of those things. It's just like, let me be there early in the, like anything that touches my department and that touches yeah. visual. Like if you want things to look consistent, if you want things to work better, if you want things to be under budget, um, this is the best way to get there. It's like, let me speak into my little piece of it at least. Um, yeah, rather than just trying else, to be higher on an org chart arbitrarily. No, yeah, for sure. It's all about communication. It maximizes your efficiency in the use of your time, and it minimizes miscommunication. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those things that I think too is set by the uh, the vision maker, the 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 key vision leaders in the organization. Mm -hmm. I think they're the ones responsible for uh, deciding and orienting the creative department in wherever they choose to do so. But I think about, I always go back to Mosaic. I, I read an article or listened to a podcast way early on where I found out that uh, in Mosaic's like core values and beliefs, right? Uh, one of their core values is that we were created by the creator to create. Like that mm -hmm. is in their core, like tenant beliefs as a church, it is in their core values. And so obviously the creative department is important. 
Yeah. And it's it's one of those things. It's like when you when you make that a priority, when you make this this uh, visual representation, this visual manifestation of your vision, a priority, it's always going to work out better for you. And that's not to say that the creative department's more important than the connections department or than your whatever. It's not to say that at all. It's just like you said, it's like the funnel. It's like if we can, if, if, if the creative department can be involved at the top of the funnel, it's going to help the output uh, be more excellent and more consistent every mm -hmm. time. And it's going to be the most efficient use of your of your energy and it's going to minimize miscommunication and minimize frustration. It's going to make creatives feel important, which I feel like I hear all the time. I don't feel important. I don't feel valued. I don't feel like I'm doing anything of worth here. I just think that this might be a little bit of the secret sauce um, after talking to creatives all across the country. So anyway, that's my, that's my hot take on it, but that's where I'm at. Cool. And I'm interested for us to even kind of pivot the conversation about consistency to those yeah. Um, like Josh and myself who work for ourselves, like we don't have a team we work for. Like, so how, how important it is for us to be consistent, even in our own work yeah. and even to have that, um, that principle kind of set for us. Because like, for me, <clears throat> looking at it from the, you know, the, the mind mindset of, you know, I'm a freelancer. I work from home. I'm yep. a stay at home mom, but I also like, you know, I work and work from home and all that. How consistency is so key to me is um, like one thing that's really important to me is I need that I, that helps me kind of stay driving forward is the consistency yeah. in being creative. So like whether yeah. that yeah. Um, daily making a design just for fun, whether it's for work or not, um, or if it's me creating something in the home or doing a project with the kids or drawing with them or something, that's super important for me to stay consistent yeah. with creating because if I get off of that creative horse, I guess it's, it takes, not that it's hard for me to get back on. Cause I think that's part of my like DNA is I'm creative and I, I need to yeah. create, but if I, it's kind of like working out. Like if I don't work that muscle out every day, yeah. then it's harder for me to get back on that train. And I think by that consistency of being creative, that helps my work, um, for client work. It just makes it flow better and it makes me, you know, do a better job. Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, Josh, what would you have to say about that? Like, like as far as, cause that is the conversation. How do you stay creative over a long period of time when the work never dies down? The deadlines never stop for us in the church world. Seven days is not that long y'all. Like seven days comes every seven days. Sunday comes every seven days. Like we're pulling something off every seven days. It's, it's a, it's an unrelenting like, thing you know what i mean so about what, what yeah. about that for you how do you how do you stay consistent yeah that's uh that's, you definitely got to feed the beast and and if you're on staff at a church it's you know sunday morning if you're um trying to land gigs it's it's instagram or you know paying your mortgage like you know if i would i would sometimes like man it'd be nice to take like a six-week sabbatical but like that feels so out right. of reach just for uh yeah a litany of reasons um and i, I kind of look at this through two lenses one is where i'm at now where there is so much to do. How do I make sure I can like marathon run through this thing? Like, how do I make sure like I don't want to like sprint and kill myself and ship four logos this week when I've got mm -hmm. to do two more or three more next week. So like knowing like yourself and your workflow and like I've got to take a Sabbath. I've got to take a break. I've got to rest because like I've powered through plenty of weekends. And yeah, the to do list looks better. But then it resets the next week and you've got to show up again. And then you're starting the week on an empty tank. 
Um, yeah. But then on the flip side of that, like the set, so like you've got like, I am busy, you got to pace yourself. Uh, and then on the flip side of that is what was I doing when I didn't have enough work? And like, it was optional for me to, um, mm-hmm. you know, like I had two projects a month or whatever. Um, and so then yeah. you are willpower, like forcing yourself, like I got to like go spend the hour to go make this social post um, because like, and like you get 20 likes for it and you're like, this feels terrible. I don't want to do this, but it's so much harder. Like you're saying, Ash, to like get back on the horse after you didn't post for two weeks, yeah. Yeah. knowing that's where the jobs are going to come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of it for me. I know everybody's wired a little bit different, but I have a fairly rigid um, expectations for myself about like what happens in a week. Uh, my schedule itself can be somewhat like flexible, but like I am going to post three times a week on social media. I am yeah. going to have this many hours, like my butt in the seat at the desk, um, either working in the business or on the business or whatever. Like there's, you know, um, and so like back in the day I was working a day job had, um, you know, trying to like land stuff. And I was like, okay, bright cool is a thing no one knows about. How do I, you know, move the needle here? Uh, And rather than doing what the natural tendency is like, I don't have any work to do. I'm going to go play Xbox or go like with my friends or whatever Mm -hmm. people do. Um, I would say, no, I don't have any work to do. I'm going to work on the business until the work shows up to fill this time. Like I'm sitting Mm -hmm. at my, at my, in my living room from 8 PM to 11 PM, four nights a week. And, and like, until that time is full of work, I'm going to do things to get the work with that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like too, consistency in a couple of different hats there. Well, well, the, I mean, you guys can specifically speak to this, but nobody's holding your freaking hand. Like nobody's holding mm-hmm. your hand, forcing you to work. Like the mortgage, the bank might be, cause you got a mortgage to pay. The power company might be, but nobody's going to hold your hand and say, you need to take a break or you need to sit down and work, or you need to do this. And to a degree, that's true for almost anyone, unless you have like a really, really involved uh, uh, someone who's you know, an overseer or manager or something like that. Yeah, I mean, for us here, like we're a, we're a relatively small team. There's 15, 15 or so staff plus part-timers. And anyway, it's like, yeah, there's somebody making sure that you're hitting your deadlines, but nobody's going to force you to work when you're supposed to work or rest when you're supposed to rest. And so yeah. developing discipline. Nobody's checking in and being like, are you are you healthy? And and rarely no. are people's further than that. Rarely are people saying, hey, are, is your week kind of like set up to where you're working at your best times? Yeah. Um, and oh not that God, that's, that's huge. Any, yeah, that's a huge thing. Yeah. And that, that's one that I didn't even really tap into until I was uh, went out full time freelance or at least was yeah. working from home. I was like, oh, no, like I sprint hard at this time, like mornings and late at night and then afternoons are more flex and like yeah. small task stuff. But Carrie, Carrie Newhoff wrote a book uh, and I've talked about it on Creative Direction. He wrote a book called At Your Best, something that everybody should read. It's all about learning about your circadian rhythm and that we all have unique circadian rhythms and then learning to work at you you'll do your best work when you're at your best and it's biological and it's it's a neurochemical thing like we have this circadian rhythm and our brain functions different throughout the day and it's hormonal and it's neurochemical and so there's a book called at your best by carrie newhoff and there's another book called the power of win by dr michael bruce uh, which is more of a neuroscience book but it's all about that and he breaks it up into four main uh what he calls like circadian 
cycles, circadian rhythms. And so you could take a test and figure out which one you are, but there's night owls. There's people who work better in the morning. There's people who are middayers. And so anyway, they talk about how you have these two big peaks throughout the day of creative energy. And so they, about how to maximize uh, those those times when your brain is at its best to do creative work. And then and then with the Kerry Newhoff book, he talks about what should I do when I don't feel like I'm operating in my best creative capacity? Well, it's probably when you should go to the gym. Like don't go to the gym whenever you're at your creative peak. Go to the gym when you don't feel like don't do anything else. Respond to emails when you feel like you can't create anything. Maximize that time. Use that time for administrative tasks that require no creative energy. And then make sure you're doing your creative work when your body and your mind and your spirit are at their creative peak. Um, it, dude, powerful. I feel that so much. I've never, I've never known that there's like a book or like even a theory about that, but I, I relate to that so much because there's definitely certain times in my day, more so like mid morning, like not right when I wake up, but like 10 ish to about 12. I feel like I'm feeling like super creative and motivated Same. at that time. Same, um, me too. But then when it's like, and I don't know, it might have to do with in, you know, environment too. Like when my kids come home from school, I'm not feeling as creative at that moment, but it's also because focus, because it's hard for me to focus on two things at once sometimes. Um, but yeah, no, I totally feel that. I think that that's super cool. I need to check that book out. Yeah. And that'll help. I mean, yeah. obviously we're talking about consistency, but that's naturally going to make you more consistent because you're going to you're going to feel empowered to do the things that you need to do. And it's going to help you yeah. be more consistent in that way. So yeah, that's something that we went over with our team not too long ago. And it made a huge difference uh, on our creative team. We talk about it still to this day. So it's, it's powerful stuff. Those books do you great. guys, do you guys like, as far as like being consistent, like you were saying, Josh, mm -hmm. like if, if there's some days when you don't have as much work or whatever, do you guys almost feel like, like a burden in, se in a sense to work? Like, that's how I feel. Like, I feel like if it's during work hours, unless I'm feeling sick, there's no way that I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to go sit and watch a show right now. Like, I feel like almost like I yeah. feel guilty for not doing something, whether it's even just like doing something for the business, whether it's working on an Instagram thing or a stupid reel or something. Like, I feel like I always have to be doing something for the business during those work hours, or I almost feel guilty. Like, and, and it's not like anybody's holding me to that. It's just almost like a, I don't know. I just feel like I have to do it. Like there's no, there's no getting around it. <laughs> so I'm not going to um, pull a holier than thou on you or like a Jesus juke or, or work, <laughs> work shame you uh, because my problem is different. My problem is I'm always late on three projects. And so uh, it's not like an optional, like, Oh man, I don't have anything to like, there's always something to do. And yeah. so for me, it is like, I, but I, at the same time, I feel a compulsion and like an obsession with like, I love the work. I love working on the business, love working in the business. And so there is that pull to like go do it. But I don't think it's guilt. Usually it is hard for me to uh, take a break. But like at the same time, there's plenty of times, probably like once a month or so. It's Tuesday, Thursday morning. And uh, my wife and I will go play golf for nine holes or whatever. All the kids are in school. Yeah. And like that's during the work week, but I don't feel like guilty about it. I'm like, this is the whole freaking point. Yeah, of and maybe guilt is the wrong word because definitely I do like obviously like I'll I'll go get coffee with a friend or my husband and I'll go to lunch. I don't feel like guilt for that, but I guess it's more so like if I'm at home and I don't have like any like exterior like you know things I need to do outside with like kids or anything like yeah. that, and it's just work time. If I'm not doing work, 
or I guess more so not even necessarily work. If I'm not being productive. Producing. Yep. Like if I'm not being okay, okay. Now you're tapped into it because yeah, it's Friday night and like I intentionally kept my plate clean of projects. I'm like, that's just gonna have to wait till Monday. Yeah. And then I go into like, uh, that thing's broken. Uh, I really need to do the budget for our family. Uh, Yeah. Really need to clean. I need to go like be a more intentional dad right now or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And like, if you're like, Hey, can you just pop in a movie for two, like watch TV for four hours in a row and like feel okay after that? No, no chance. Yeah. Oh, I'm there. (laughs) I'm I'm, a hundred percent there. And it, for me, it's, uh, man, I, I am kind of caught honestly between the guilt and the, uh, staying productive thing. I, I definitely have felt that, that guilty thing. I mean, being a hundred percent transparent, it's almost like until the sun goes down, I feel like I need to be producing something. And I do agree. Sometimes it's like, um, yeah, it's bills or it's doing, it's doing the budget or it's doing, working on something around the house. Um, but even like, let's just say cooking, like I love to cook. That's a creative outlet for me. I love it because nobody else has to approve of it except for me and my wife. And that's it. Like it, it's not like a graphic that everyone has to love. It's, it's, or a, or a film that somebody has to love. It's like, no, if you don't like my freaking pasta dish that I'd, that I cooked up that, that that's, that's on you. I love it. So anyway, I, I love cooking, but it's one of those things I don't really feel empowered to cook. I don't feel like I can cook guilt free unless the sun is down because if mm. the sun's up, I should be working. And that's like old school Amish hands to the plow crap. But yeah, um, honestly, yeah, I battle that. And there's, there's been some deep conviction there because, um, I talked about this on creative direction not too long ago, but I honestly don't believe that Sabbath is just a weekly rhythm. I also believe it's a daily rhythm. And Mm -hmm. all I mean by that, I'm not like militant about it, but I just believe that there's got to be somewhat of a cycle to your day. And I'm like the most guilty person in the world of working up until the minute I shut my eyes to go to sleep. I will absolutely Mm -hmm. do it. And, uh, I've tried to not. So there's, you know, people talk about this now, put your phone away an hour before you go to bed kind of thing. But if you do it, it makes a gigantic difference. Being able to yeah. disconnect from the work. We've started this thing now where we go for a walk after dinner and it is like been yes. the greatest thing. It's been the greatest thing. And it doesn't have to be long. It's like 10 minutes. And yeah. then that's the conclusion to the day, but it, it creates that cycle. It's like I start the mm. day with a cup of coffee and I end it with a walk. Yeah. And that's it. I you know. That. So anyway, Rhythms, yeah, there's baby. some sort of, yeah, the rhythm, the rhythm thing is a divine, a divine creation yeah. for sure. There's, there's got to be rhythm. So anyway, I definitely resonate with that for sure. Yeah, I do want to give a little freedom for all the, the, the workaholics in the house because I feel like it's most of the people that care about this show or on staff at church. Like it, you're not, you're not lazy. You're not looking for stuff to do. Like it is, it's you're probably leaning the other direction. Like we're talking yeah. about. Um, but there's been like, you know, that, that Google and Facebook places like this that are really trying to just milk the most they can out of these developers. They have like nap pods and snacks and like fun environments and all these things. Yeah. And it's not. Yes, it's to attract talent, but it's also a little bit like maniacal or manipulative in the sense that, no, it's because they've done a lot of studies that human beings like you kind of really tap out after about 40 hours a week. Yeah. And it is not that crazy. Like I used to be working like 50, 60 hours a week. Uh, and like some of my creative heroes work like 70, 80 hours a week. Right. And they just like up every night till 2 a.m., get up at the crack of dawn, take 10 minutes for lunch. Um, and we, we've kind of like uh, 
like idolized that or like, or like made that like some honorable thing when like scientifically there's like lots of research to support that. Like after about 40 hours, you're, you yeah. just really start to plummet. And if you, if you can work like 30 or 35, um, your ideas are like just flowing, like you're fresher, your, your, yeah. the work is more, um, inspired now. Yeah. Am I saying all this to like, like your, t- your notes for this podcast or show is like, all right, I need to go to my senior pastor and tell him that I need to be at the executive level team uh, and I need to be working 30 hours a week. Uh, Josh and Austin and Ashley said so. Like, that's not the takeaway. Um, but I really try to like, rather than start with like a to-do list, so, like I've got a bucket that's this big. Here's my list of stuff that needs to get done. How much of that can fit in there? And kind of work backwards from that and, and try to keep my hours around there because I can tell uh, a distinct difference when I go back and look at my hours for the week, like, oh, this felt like a 50 hour week. Like I hate everything yeah. right now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's my pitch is track your time, figure out where it's going and then try to try to like shoot under, stay under budget on your. Yeah. yeah. On your. Because I will say, like, I'm definitely consistent in the way that I feel like I'm always working, but. Mm-hmm. I do struggle with time management though, because even like sometimes I'll be working on stuff throughout the day and I'm like, this is not a priority right now. Like a priority is this project that's due in two days. But I like, I I'm, I'm bad about prioritizing what should be done first. So then at the last minute I'm rushing a lot of times. Um, <clears throat> but I do feel like I'm always working and it's always like helping the business or helping what I'm trying to achieve. But it's hard for me to, I guess, put in order, like what should be done first and then things after that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I struggle with that. But then I also, I do feel like I am consistent in that I work well under pressure. So I don't want to kind of mess that up either because I like kind of having that pressure on me because it makes me work better. I don't know. Do you guys struggle with that? I have a thought on that. So why is it that, why is it that, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and speak for creatives everywhere. I feel like we're all kind of in that boat to some extent. Um, But for me specifically, maybe Ashley, you'll resonate with this. When I'm under the gun and I have a deadline and I can feel the pressure and I can feel the weight, why is it that I feel the most motivated to work on the things that I'm not usually motivated to work on that aren't even actually what the deadline concerns? Like I'm more passionate about the things that's like, oh, I really need to update that website. Oh, and I have a great idea for it too. But there's this sermon series, you know, all these assets that are due in seven hours. And yeah, but at seven hours from now, I can make some headway on this website. I'm never motivated to work on the website. So I'm going to go ahead and do that while I feel like it. Why? I feel like there's got to be some reasoning for that. the, The way I look at it as is I feel like if something, if like, if a deadline is coming up or like, or not even deadlines coming up, but I know like, Hey, I need to get this girl's illustration done. Like by, you know, today, like if I have almost that burden in a sense, it makes me feel, um, oversight, almost like overwhelmed. So then my brain is like, yeah. well, I don't want to focus on that. Cause that's making me feel overwhelmed. So I'm going to just focus on this instead. Like I'm going to, I'm going to work on, you know, designing, you know, t-shirts that I'm going to release in seven months from now. Like, it's like, it hasn't, I don't need to do it right now. I just, like you said, you feel more motivated and more inspired in that moment. Cause I guess Mm -hmm. the brain is like, well, I'm still being productive, but I'm not being productive or I'm not being like efficient with my time. I don't know. I totally feel Uh, that. 
I, yeah, I think, yeah, I feel that for sure too. It's like, it's like you got your, your midterm due tomorrow. And so this is the time you choose to deep clean your room. Yeah. It's like also a hard thing, but it's like this, this feels like the best time to do this. Yeah. For sure. It's still productive, but it's, it's productive. It for yeah. I bet you, I bet you that, like, that's, yeah. that's yeah. the science. That's the like reasoning, like psychology behind it is you would feel guilty if you sat down and watched a TV show, but you're like, I'm doing I'm doing something else that needs to be done, right. but you're still like dodging the the elephant in the room or like the yeah. thing that's uncomfortable. And yeah. uh, I think I think man, oh shoot! I just realized that I think consistency. Another word I've used for it is grit. Is yeah, really, and I've I've heard people say this on like big like leadership talks and all kinds of stuff like. Mm-hmm. It truly is what separates like the people who go somewhere from the people who don't. And I don't care if you're like training for a marathon or just want to own your own business or want to land that client or hit that revenue goal or whatever, or like become this level of artist. um, Like it really comes down to like, what do you do in those moments? Mm -hmm. In those moments where you're like, this sucks. I don't have any ideas. It's Thursday night. I don't want to make a social post for eight people to see. Or my boss doesn't appreciate what I'm doing, or I'm working so hard and I'm not seeing the fruit from it, money, yeah. recognition, fulfillment, whatever. Like you're gonna have that feeling on a consistent basis. I don't care what level you're at, you're gonna hit that wall. The difference is people figure out the muscles it takes to push through that. Mm. And same thing for like finishing projects. It's like you're gonna lose business if you don't like show up and deliver. And so, like, whether it's for yourself or somebody else, like that grit factor, like, oh, man. Or or the other one is like you bump into an obstacle like, oh, man, I thought it was going to work out this way and it didn't. And then rather than like camping out and sitting or like, "Mm, I guess I don't want to do that anymore. You roll and then try and go around the wall another way and another way. And you bump into it four times and then you find a way through. For sure. Yeah. Ashley, you're from the Southwest, right? Like you Mm -hmm. you live in the Southwest somewhere. What state? New Mexico, New Mexico, New, New Mexico. Mexico. So I, uh, two years ago, um, I've been to every corner of the country except the Southwest really until two years ago. And so, um, anyway, we were, we were hanging out in Montana and fly fishing and visiting family. And my wife and I decided for our anniversary, uh, for our four year anniversary, we were going to trip to, from Montana. We were already out there. We had a couple extra days. We left early. We fly to Vegas. We said, we're going to do like 48 crazy hours in Arizona. Like, let's just do something wild. And so we fly into Vegas. We tell them it's our anniversary uh, at the car rental place. They give us a Camaro. It was sick and it wasn't like a wimpy <laughs> Camaro. It was like the real deal. And it was a cool. rag top. So you put the top down and we're like flying 150 miles an hour through the desert. And it was amazing. <laughs> That's um, so yeah, cool. it was amazing. It was so much fun, fun memory. Uh, and we we're driving in the middle of the night. Yeah. And stars like, you, you know how, you know how the desert is. It's, it's amazing. So anyway, we're, oh. we're driving, we drive from Vegas, we drive from Vegas to, uh, to the grand Canyon. And we stayed in a, basically like a kind of glamping, but it wasn't really, it's just a big yurt tent. Anyway, we camped in the desert. It was amazing. And we decided uh, we were going to go to the grand Canyon and I've been to Yosemite and I've been to glacier and I've been to the, uh, to been to Colorado a bunch of times skiing. Like I've seen big stuff. I've been to British Columbia. Like I I've seen it. Uh, I've seen Mount Baker and the Pacific Northwest, like seen big stuff. I'm getting jealous. I expected, 
I expected <laughs> I expected to be kind of underwhelmed by the Grand Canyon, which is kind of crazy because you see pictures of it. Like, how could you be underwhelmed by that? But I was like, <laughs> right? how how is this gonna like compare to El Cap or to Mount Baker? Or to Ron Swanson to, says that is the only acceptable time to cry. Well, I'll tell when you when you're what. at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> yeah, that's ab- and and honestly, I thought that was hilarious too until I actually had the experience, and now I uh, totally understand that. And I resonate with it. And I had an emotional experience when I saw it actually. And I feel like a picture, you know, everybody's like, a picture doesn't do it justice. Like, yeah, we know that's true. But honestly, there's something even more to it than that. And I'll Mm. tell you what, I was next door at DOXA this morning, hanging out with the staff and the crew. And uh, my wife, my wife's the general manager there. And uh, anyway, we were hanging out with the crew, some of the baristas, and we're just talking about this topic today. And I told them, I I said, when I went to the Grand Canyon, I thought about the Colorado River. And it didn't hit me until you know, a couple of weeks after the fact that the Grand Canyon, obviously we all know was carved out by the Colorado river. The Colorado river runs, it has carved away all that rock through erosion over time, all of the years. It's crazy. It's an act of God. It's unbelievable. But I've never really thought about the fact that the Grand Canyon is still getting deeper. Like it's Mm. still getting deeper right now. That river is not dried up. It hasn't stopped. It's still moving. The same force that carved out the Grand Canyon is still functioning. And so that's uh, why anyway, I couldn't help but think about that when we're talking about grit. Like that's dude, that's That's, such a good one. That's it. That's it. That's what it is. It's like if you keep just chipping away at it. Especially yeah. if you're like, if you're, if you're actually, if you've actually found your purpose and I have like this crazy equation that I want to share at some point before we end to how, on how to uh, find your purpose. But anyway, if you're sure of your purpose, you got to stay, you got to stay committed to it. You yeah. Stay, stay in that lane to it. And you mm-hmm. have even, and, and it's also naive. Like you said, Josh, it's naive to think that you're always going to want to do this in a project. Like it's the natural thing to get to a point in the project. It's like, I don't even want to finish this thing anymore. Honestly, that's 100%. how many books have how many books have not been written because of that? Mm. Like how many movies have not been made because of that? How yeah. many I don't know, just that that has to stop the vast majority of creative acts. Yeah. Just yeah. that slump that you hit. And it happens for us and I'm sure you guys will agree with every single project. There's a point yeah. where it's like I am not passionate about this anymore. And then mm. you get to the end of it and you're like, man, I'm really glad I stuck it out because I just made something yep. incredible. Every time. So I literally think, every time. To me, like I think like I like the analogy used of the river, like how it's like slowly cutting into the the Grand Canyon and like you're slowly <laughs> making waves. Like for me, working for myself, the the most rewarding times like of a project is when they come to fruition. So like yeah. And and I feel like there's always seasons where like a lot of things are coming to fruition. Like, so for instance, like this book I worked on last spring, like it was like, oh, it's so far out. It's never going to come out all this stuff. Well, not that it's never going to come out, but it just seemed like so far away. It's like, we're working on this and we have a long time, mm-hmm. but then I get the book like in my hands, they mail it to me. And it's like, that was so worth it. Cause it's yeah, so cool sure. to like physically see it come to fruition. And like, I don't know. It's like, it's awesome. Ash, where's your book? I didn't know you had a book. Yeah, I didn't. Ha- I don't have a book, but I designed a book. You illustrated. Oh, yeah. I think so I do remember me. you talking about that. Yeah, I That's mean, I've so done a nice. few of them, but this one is. A, Does it have a lot of in- interior designs too, or mostly just yeah, the cover? Yeah, all the interior. It's like the whole thing. Like I didn't do the layout of the the uh, you know the mm-hmm. wording and stuff, but it's my first hardcover. That's cover. awesome. I was just super That's pumped so about cool. it. I came in yesterday. 
But that's good. Anyway. Have you seen the story of redemption Bible? We just got some to sell here. And it was like this thing. I don't know if it's Crossway or whatever. Anyway, they partnered with this crazy German illustrator to do the story of Redemption Bible, and it reminded me of you because it's it's a similar style, and it's this illustrator that they partnered with. To do, you have it? Look at him go. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Peter look Voth. At, look man. at that. Yeah, yeah. What a Peter Voth what a sick. hero. What that's a so hero. cool. Peter Voth oh, is a the monster, foil, dude. Like the foil print. The foil mm -hmm. print is so yeah. pretty. Yeah. Have you guys yeah. also? I know we talked about this with Visual Jams when he was on, but have you guys seen um, The Greatest Story? It's like a kid's version no. of the Bible. We have that. It's so, I don't, it's downstairs, so I don't want to go get it because it'll take me forever, but yeah. it's, it's so cool the way it's illustrated. Like yeah, it's such it a beautiful little book, but it's, it's a kid's version of the Bible, but I think it's called The Greatest. Yo, it's awesome. I do want to um, tap into something, Austin, you talked about with how many like great dreams have blown up midway, or maybe it was you, Ashley, but, yeah. um, like, how do we, yeah, Josh Noom has one too. Um, and I, I actually want to oh. get that one, but part of me is waiting for my kids to get older because they ripped up my, uh, Peter Voth cover. So maybe when the kids are older, <laughs> they'll stop destroying my, my things. Yeah. <laughs> don't, I don't want to tell them like, you're not allowed in daddy's secret studio, but don't also, read the Bible. Like, kids. We're going to break it. Put that Bible back on the shelf where it belongs. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, so you're talking about like how many things like blow up in the hangar and it's, it's maybe just because somebody like didn't push through or maybe they did go super far down the road and find out this is a bad idea or I, I'm not invested in this or I'm not the right person to talk about this thing. And I think that one of the best ways to avoid that uh, and like wasted creative effort is to spend more time incubating, spend more time mm. aiming, spend more time asking, why are we doing this? And that could be aimed at, you know, a client or your team or a lot of times yourself is the best place to start. Like when I was thinking about like launching Bright Coal, I said, this is going to be really hard and I'm not going to see fruit of this maybe ever and for sure for probably six months to a year. So I want to like make sure that the end goal is defined enough and I'm excited enough about getting over here. Hmm that it is worth taking a thousand boring steps to get there. So then if it does feel fun along the way, cool. And if it doesn't for literally a thousand steps, then it's, it's okay because I know like I'm you going March. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. you get 700 steps along and you're like, I hate this and I've hated it the whole time. Like, yeah, is okay. this really what I want to do? And you need mm -hmm. to answer that question before you take step one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in the context of a team, like, it really just kind of comes down to how do and, and you can't make other people think things or you can't force them into like, we're not doing this project because you guys don't believe in it enough or whatever. Um, yeah. From a, like a client standpoint, one way to do that is through your price and through the process. Like I have a couple of pieces of homework somebody has to do and it's not exorbitant, but it's also not a inexpensive price. Like you have to stop and think about it, like, is this logo worth it? Do we really yeah. need a logo or are we okay before you start? Right. And I know that once somebody's crossed that threshold, we're not going to run into something I ran into a bunch of times earlier in my career where they're like, you know, I really just like our old logo better. And like, I don't know about this because like you're not at that optional price point. They have yeah. committed to this thing is worth doing. Let's all like see it through. Yeah. Um, and whatever it takes for you to do that, whether it's a one time project or a new idea like Freelance Fridays as like an initiative or a business you want to start like you got to like feel good enough about getting over here 
that it's worth all the grime in the way. I, uh, I did an episode on creative direction a couple weeks back and I essentially broke down the creative process into four steps. And I kind of like, I don't know, man, people can, people can murder my theology all they want, but, uh, and that's fine. But anyway, I this ain't the theology throw show, baby. Yeah. Right. So I basically took the creation story. I mean, I believe, I honestly believe that God wanted me to share this with people. So, you know, I'm not worried about it, but it's one of those things where I took the process of creation and I broke down our process as creatives and used the process of creation to illustrate it. So essentially it's four steps, right? The number one step is ideation. And I think that's what you're talking about. Ideation. It's inspiration. It's, and if you can get stuff right there, like if you can, figure out what this project is and what this project isn't. Where do I want to go? Where do I not want to go? If you can get a lot of that stuff done while the canvas is empty, then it's going to help you save a lot of time during the next phase, uh, which I call iteration. So you have ideation, you have iteration, which is where you're producing, you're actually making the work, you're doing variants of the work, you're finding the best avenue, you're creating the work. Then you then you have implementation and implementation is where you actually release the work into the wild. It's like, Maybe one of the hardest things to do of the whole entire process is to like put a pin in it, say, I'm done. I'm done with this project. I'm going to release it now. And then you have the last thing, which is evaluation. And uh, I, I can I can show you even in the creation story, like God did all of those things. Right. Yeah. We know that before before anything was anything, there was an idea that God had us in his in his spirit and in his soul and in his heart. And so anyway, that's ideation. And then there was iteration. Right. God didn't just create humanity or create everything at once. It wasn't just like, boom, done. It was like there was a process. There was a process. Yeah. Iterative, iterative process. Right. And he said when he got to man, he says, very good. It's not just good. Everything else was good. This is very good. And then uh, there was implementation, right? I, I, I say that's basically where um, it actually, the, the process of creation ended, right? God got done with it, said there's everything. And then there's the evaluative part, which is right before the Sabbath, where God looks back and he said he looks back at his creation and he saw that it was good, that he did good work, that yeah, he made something good. incredible. So anyway, there's all those four phases of creation, but I think what you're talking about is so important because I think it falls into the, the bookends. I think it falls into the ideation and the evaluation phase. It's like if you get really good at those, if you get really good at the beginning before the project ever begins of figuring out what we're going to do, what we're not going to do, what this is, what it's, what it's not, uh, if this was worth my time or if it's not, if we figure that out on the front end and then if we get really good at the end of a project of saying, I'm never going to do that again, I did this well, I did this awesome, I need to do that again or I need to do this thing differently next time. If we get really good at that, I think that's what you're talking about. Like if we get really good at both of those, the stuff in the middle uh, becomes mm. easier. I, I don't know. That's just, yeah. that's just where and I'm I at. feel like it's it's four legs of like a table. And if you're yeah. missing even one of them, like it's just it's not going to work. You're going to be like um, hamstrung yeah. long term. But uh, like yeah. the two obvious ones are those two in the middle you were talking about. And everybody knows you have to do those to produce the thing. So like it's yeah. like we overdevelop those middle two legs. But like those 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 other ones, the start, the pre start and the the after it's shipped. Like yeah. you spend some time, like you got to be more intentional about those or our natural tendency is not to uh, really invest a lot in that part of the, the mm. deal. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's, that's, that's powerful stuff, man. That's good. I love that, pro that uh, notion though. Hey, before we, before we dip out, like I, I was thinking about this and I came up with this equation 
for purpose. And I think this kind of goes with consistency because I think that uh, consistency is a lot easier if you're actually pursuing your purpose. But if you're if you're pursuing something that you weren't created for, like yeah. you're mm. naturally not going to want to do it. You're naturally going to not have the energy or the yeah. grit, right? Like the grit to because uh, grit. I, I love that you said that because I wrote down the definition of grit. Uh, this is um, somebody said that grit is a personality trait possessed by individuals who demonstrate passion and perseverance toward a goal despite being confronted by significant obstacles and distractions. Yep. Those who possess grit are able to self-regulate and postpone their need for positive reinforcement while working diligently on a task. That means you can get through it even without somebody holding your hand. And uh, it's, it's something we should all aspire to have because the great ones do. Like, think about Draplin, man. I sat in a, I've, I've been to two or three workshops with Draplin. You want to talk about somebody with grit? He gets up every yep. day and just puts it down, man. Um, and to a fault, like, you, there's there's nobody in the world who will talk more about uh, health than, like, like knowing when to stop than, than that guy, you know? But anyway, um, all that being yep. said, this whole thing, this grit thing is is important, but I think it's easier to develop grit if you're moving towards your purpose. And so I came up with this equation and I shared it with uh, the the docs accrued, all the baristas over there earlier. I shared it with them. I said, do you feel this is true? And they're like, oh my God, I've never thought about it that way. So anyway, um, I said that purpose is where your talent, your passion, and your circumstances intersect. So if you think hmm. about it for a second, you think, what, number one, what am I passionate about? Okay, I'm passionate about a lot of things. I'm passionate about baseball, but my, I don't have the talent for baseball. Also, my circumstances, mm. I didn't get offered a scholarship out of high school to play baseball, so therefore I am not a major league baseball player. Like, there's I'm two things. 33 I'm 33 and a father. Like, yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> not not right? time for that, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so I'm missing the talent and I'm missing the circumstances in order to make that happen, even though I got the passion for it. But if you think about those three, like, what gifting do I have? What am I passionate about? And where has my life led me? Because I, I, we were talking about this over there, and I said, I'm really passionate about architecture. I have an architecture background. I feel like I'm talented. I do a lot of rendering work and interior design. Like, I feel like I'm talented. But my life has not led me to a career doing architecture in Milan or in <clears throat> some other, you know, giant... Met like, like, my life just has not led me in that direction. Um, the church world kind of chewed me up and spit me out when I was in college. And uh, because there was a church somewhere after all of that, that came alongside me and said, we believe in you still, despite all your doubt, despite all your shame, despite all your guilt, whatever you have, like, despite all that, we believe in you and your creative ability. And we would love to have you here. That's my circumstance. So, so then you mm -hmm. have my passion for creativity. You have talent to be able to create in a proficient level. And then you have the circumstances of life. Where has life led you? And if you get all of those three, if you if you draw the Venn diagram, so to speak, and you find out yeah. that little sliver in the middle, that is your purpose. That's your purpose. I love that. <laughs> and I, uh, I've thought about it from like a business standpoint, like what is a viable like niche or like lane for you to be in? Um, and I was like, well, where does this like clients fit in that? And I think that would be in your circumstance thing. Cause it's yeah. like things that I, I find fun or interesting things. I am good at things that people care about from me. And like, it's that same kind of thing. And I think in that one, it's basically other, other versions of, of what you've said and circumstance covers so much more than just what do people want from me? It's also like how many hours a week do you have available? Like, do you yeah. have to take care of, you know, uh, a sick person in your home and you've got four hours of free time in the week, you know? Right. Um, 
things like that are, uh, I mean, that's, that's super good. And I think circumstance just encompasses, it's a, it's a great word. Uh, I love that. Uh, Delayla has a great question down here. Okay. Do you have any tips from distinguishing passions versus hobbies uh, and which one to go after when you're looking to pursue your purpose? Yeah. That's a great sure. question. Cause I think, how do you know if it's something you need to like, yeah, have as a job versus like, this is just fun for me. I think, well, number one's viability. Like could, could you actually make a living doing it? Number one, that's the first question to ask. But even yeah. beyond that, I have a lot of hobbies that I'm not good at. Well, I'm not, I'm not good enough at like, I, I love playing golf, played golf in high school, played competitively. I'm not good enough nice. to make a career out of that though. Sure. I'm not good enough. Not even close. Um, same goes for, for a lot of other things. You know what I mean? So, um, and then I also, but, but to her point, there's a lot of people who have hobbies that, uh, probably could turn them into a career. If you think about it in that three pronged approach, like there's a lot of people out there that are doing a hobby that could be a career, but as long as you're willing to make the sacrifice, the sacrifice that it no longer becomes your hobby anymore. Right. It's no longer your creative outlet. If I decided to cook for a living, I love cooking. I'm going to cook for a living now. I would no longer enjoy cooking at my house to the same degree that I do now. There's no 100%. way. There's no way. All right. So I want to uh, real quick, though, and Ash, I really want to hear your notes on this because I feel like your career does dabble in hobbies versus the other. So you're, yeah, you yeah. you flirt with that line constantly. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but before any of us go too much further, I want to make a, a quick distinction here. Delayla has did not say career. Oh, yeah. okay. she said purpose. Got and it. I do want to talk about both. I want to talk about both, but because like I, I immediately jumped in same direction as you Austin. It's like, well, how do I make mm-hmm. money off this? And like, am I good enough? And does it fit in our Venn diagram? Absolutely. That's where my brain yeah, goes. Right. Yeah. But like take a step back and remember like, Oh, like we are, God created us as like people, not as, you know, parts of a, a capital system, mm-hmm. which I'm a, like, I'm a subscriber. I'm in, I love like playing the game or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, like, just to use your example, let's say, let's use the cooking thing. Uh, are you good enough to cook? Do people come over to your house and say, wow, you should open a restaurant? Like, maybe. Uh, is opening restaurants extremely hard, require a lot of sweat and capital to do it? Is it extremely risky? Yes. Uh, is your wife currently, you know, going back to school for her thing and you've got two young kids and like it'd be impossible circumstance wise yeah, for you to do that? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so like career wise, no. But purpose-wise, like, has God placed a part of you to, like, host people? And do you love doing that? And, like, does it have to make money to be – or be not even make money. Does it have to be the thing you spend most of your time doing for it to still be a part of your purpose? Mm. And that is a – like, the reason I want to, like, peel back all the layers and really get, like, into the details because I feel like you can be doing several things that are part of your purpose even though they may not make you money – they may not take up yeah. a big chunk of your like pie chart of your life. Yeah. Um, but I don't want us to get so like I've wrestled with this, like getting so niche down, so focused, so efficient. And it's like, there is no room for anything in my life, but logos. Mm. Like, yeah, I've called you to more than that, Josh. Like you need to, you need to get out of like efficiency mode and cook for people sometimes. Yeah. Nobody wants to see my food. Yeah. Though, well, yeah. Know. I mean, I think it, it kind of goes back to like what you're saying with circumstance. So like for me, like you said, I kind of dabble in like what I'm passionate about 
So like what I'm passionate about is my hobby. So like designing and drawing and like making things, that's my hobby. So even if that wasn't my career, I feel like that's where my purpose is. Like that's, that's the way God wired me. That's the way, you know, I'm created, but I'm able to make it into a career because of my circumstance, because I have a husband who, who, you know, is the breadwinner. So like, I don't have to constantly every season of my, of my, you know, business have to be making money, which like, like praise God, like it, it is making money. So like, that's awesome. Like I'm blessed to be able to do what I feel like is my purpose and my hobby and make it into a career. But I feel like it's because of my circumstance, I can do that. But say like worst case scenario, I had to be the breadwinner. My husband's sick or something. I have to go work like at a regular job, nine to five. I feel like I would still my purpose and my hobby would still be creating because that's just yeah. how I'm wired. <clears throat> if that makes sense. I think that's how you know it's your purpose. Mm-hmm. Is if you would still do it, even if you couldn't do it for a living, would you still do it? There's your purpose. Yeah. Easy litmus test. Because mm-hmm. I do agree with you. I think the only advantage to doing it for a living is the fact that you get to do it more. Yeah. You get to spend more However, time However, I it. will that's say... the only advantage. Yeah. I will say this though, like when you can make it into a career, I feel very rewarded in that. So like Mm -hmm. my, 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 you know, passion and hobbies make money. So I feel fulfilled in doing that. So if I say worked nine to five at a bank and then in the evening I'd come home and make designs and I wasn't making money for it, I could say I would still enjoy it, but I don't feel like I would be as fulfilled if I wasn't making, I wouldn't feel as, I wouldn't feel as like affirmed. I wouldn't be like, Oh, well this, people actually like appreciate it because if no one was buying it or no one was seeing it or liking it or anything, I would still enjoy making it because I, that's my passion, but I wouldn't feel as like affirmed if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. And, and I also think that sometimes these are like seeds or seasons that God's leading us through where like, is it time you're working, you're working your bank job and like, is it time to make the leap or whatever? Um, and, and the answer to that changes based on, on where you're at. Like there was a season where I was doing what I'm doing now. Like I was saying for three hours a night, basically every night of the week. Um, and I was so content. I was excited. It was perfect because I, the, the dream or the passion or the thing that might have been like my future purpose did not have to bear the weight of my family's health insurance plan when it was too young to support that. Right. It was too, and had I said, like, I'm unhappy, I'm dying inside every day that I'm not doing this full time. And like I prematurely pushed our family into that. It would have been bad. It would have like crushed the dream. It would have been inappropriate. And like um, it, it, it didn't have time to like grow up and be what it needed to be. And I think you constantly and this is where I like, think if you've got a relationship with God, it helps a ton. If you're constantly doing that check in, like, hey, God, like is, is now the time. Like I am uncomfortable. I am feeling some of those labor pains. I wish I was not working a day job and was, you know, doing my dream full time and like, not yet. Like, okay, cool. You know? And then like, okay, now, and then, then, you know, all right, cool. Like internally, externally, everything is headed in the right direction. Yeah. Um, there you go. I was, I was mentoring a kid. I was mentoring a kid years ago. And, uh, and when I say kid, I mean, he was, five or six years younger than me, but I was mentoring someone and we had, uh, yeah, we had like an open dialogue of conversation and it was okay for me to be real honest with him. And he told me, he said, I will never ever work a job that I'm not passionate about. And I said, Oh God, 
Bro, that's rough because sometimes you have to work a job that you're not passionate about so that you can do the thing that you're passionate about. There is no golden ticket. Yeah. There's not. Like like the fact well, that you, you could that, I mean, you see people yeah. that make that choice though. They're like, I'm gonna be an actor. I'm gonna die or I'm gonna become a famous actor. Like Chris Pratt's story, like he lived in a van in Hollywood and probably like waited table. He was dirt poor and hungry yeah. and did it. But like but right you're there, then you sacrificing you're you're sacri- well, I, yeah, like you're you're sacrificing yeah. comfort right. and other options to do the thing. But you're like, I want to have it all right out of college. And like, like, yeah. you know, doing construction cleanup made me appreciate what I do more now. But um, yeah, 100 sure. like there's yeah. and, and, and it gets you prepared because even in your dream gig, like you're in your sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Life is good. There's going to be hard days. There's going to be plenty of days yeah. you still don't want to show up. Bringing it all back yeah. full circle to consistency. I grew up on a farm. I learned I learned hard work by okay. shoveling manure. I learned I learned hard work by shoveling manure, and that's like not a that's not just a, a hyperbole. Like that's that's legitimate. I realized real quick that this is not what I want to do for a living, but I'm gonna have to do it right now because it allows mm-hmm. me the ability to go home after work on my and get on my pirated version of photoshop and make some doodles like you know and make it, some puts, punk rock it puts the fire color. more in your belly too yeah you're like, yeah you're thinking yeah. all day while you're shoveling you're thinking about the other thing exactly all right we got a exactly. great question now here from sling sawdust what advice would you give to someone who's older switching careers into design i've got an answer but i want to hear from you guys ashley you first oh gosh um I don't know. This is hard for me because I started so young. <laughs> Mine. Um, yeah, same. I don't, I mean, I would, I guess it comes back to like passion and, um, you know, I don't know. Like if you're feeling passionate about it, I think it's, it's worth taking the leap. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll, yeah. I'll kind of right. ricochet off of you I guys. You. I don't know what to say. Well, my, my thought on it was there's, there's definitely more liability it's tougher. It's tougher. It's like, it's like, uh, let's just say you're great at golf, but you don't start playing the sport until you're 18 years old. And everybody else who's great at golf started when they were eight years old, you are naturally behind. And it's, it's doesn't, that doesn't mean that you can't do it. It just means it's harder. And I just think, uh, and that's not a discouragement. I'm not discouraging this person whatsoever. In fact, I'm encouraging it because it requires more grit. Like if you're going to make it happen, it requires even more drive, even more, um, even more, uh, what initiative because you have more on the line. Like you, like you said, you have, you know, when we're in college for what, you know, we may not have the same liabilities as we do when we're older and there's family members and there's spouses and there's kids and there's all of that involved. It's gotta be harder. It's gotta be harder yeah. to make a switch like that. So that's my, yeah, thought. 100%. Yeah, that's true. Cause like when I put in the the, you know, the early, the early days of the grit and stuff is when my husband and I were newly married. We both had like a young business that we had literally beans yeah. in our, we didn't have like any money, but we didn't have kids. Yeah. We didn't have like many bills. Like, so it was the perfect time to put in those hours. So it would be a lot harder. Like if I'm thinking about it, I'm almost, you know, I'm 35, almost 36. If I was just to start right now, like in my season of life, like being a mother, you know, having all these obligations outside of it, it would be a lot harder. But if you find that purpose and that passion in it, I think it's worth it. Yeah. 
Agreed. All right, Josh, give us your magic answer. I disagree with both of you. Age is just a number. <laughs> we're not talking about trying to play outfield for the Dodgers. Um, we're talking about graphic design, boys and girls. And so, like, I do think you guys have made some reasonable assumptions about life circumstances. When somebody's older, you probably have a mortgage, you probably have a family, but that's not for sure. You could be in a circumstance, uh, you know, where like maybe those things aren't a factor. Uh, but I guess maybe a better way to put it is my advice to you is identical to the 19 year old asking this question, because I would say baby step. You need to stay hungry. You need to have that grit. You need to be pushing yourself. You need to uh, don't like quit the day job or if like you're in school or like you've got a good thing going on. Don't try and go do it full steam ahead like right now. Like go keep doing what you're doing and carve out whatever hours a week you can into developing that craft. And I do think that, yeah, a thousand percent, Austin, somebody who has been uh, developing a skill, pushing, trying, working hard um, at their craft for a decade, like they're 10 years ahead of you and you're going to have to chase them for 10 years to catch up. But then I also look at examples like one of our previous guests, um, Edward's son here. I remember oh, when yeah, this guy, guy started. What like he's, guy. he's he's talented. So like this is his older stuff. You might look at this and go like, wow, that's amazing. It's pretty, it's solid. It's pretty strong, right? But then when you look at what he is doing now, oh, give me this little mouse. And like comparing the the yeah. caliber of what he's doing. And yeah, sure, he's blown up. He's got a billion followers or whatever. But and you would look at this guy and go, oh yeah, he's a vet. He's been doing this, you know, 15 years. He's a he's a senior designer somewhere. Like he's making all kinds of money. Um, yeah, those things are true, but they happened over the course of three years. Mm -hmm. When I met this guy, he was cranking out some dope stuff and he had just started. So he's got like a naturally good eye, but he also like, um, you know, he is a, a, a lifelong learner. He is not do he is doing this stuff to push himself and learn his skills. And so he's in there, you know, going through the baseball analogy, like he's in the batting cage every day because he just enjoys the game. He loves doing it and he loves practicing, but he did all this in like, like I I've worked in, in the industry like I was at an ad agency for 10 years and never got as good as he is in year three. So not yeah. all like time is created equal. Like, are you, is it yeah. focused effort? Are you practicing all that kind of stuff? So yeah, putting in the reps from that standpoint, like you could be doing exactly what Edward did on nights and weekends for a year before somebody is going to hire you for a project and you will be a designer at that point. And I, we actually had an interesting conversation about this at Creative Church yesterday about like it feels like there is a younger people are favored in the creative space. Like everybody wants to skew younger. What does Gen X think? Or, sorry, what does Gen Z think? What do the millennials think? Oh, millennial designers are better than Gen X designers. And there's some bitterness and some controversy there. And it's interesting kind of working through that stuff because I would say exact same thing there. Age is just a number. Because if you're Paul Rand and you spent 60 years pushing the envelope every day of your career, you're a visionary and no one can catch up with you now. 
But if right. you've been sitting on your butt and you're stuck in 2004 style and you think that just because you've been in this seat a long time, you've you you earn it now or like you deserve to be listened to. Get out of here. Mm. Yeah, Get out of here. Bass, like, I don't Saul Bass, Massimo Vignelli, these guys who did their best work later in life. I mean, I mean, yeah, I 100 percent agree. Draplin, is someone going to say that Draplin's not doing the same caliber of work as some Gen Zer is? Of course he is. Of course he is. Of course he's the best. And it has nothing to do with the fact that he's in his 40s or he's, you know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I 100% agree with that, bro. For sure. Yeah, it's yeah. It, grit, grit over age. If you have the grit, it doesn't matter how old you are. Exactly. You develop the sauce over time. The sauce comes the sauce. from grit. The sauce. Yeah. <laughs> and the, <laughs> yeah. And the ability to probably persevere. Um, I think, yeah, you're, you're right, though. The grit, though, they should have more grit. Than the than the Gen Z designer yeah. because of the time that they put in. You know what I mean? They should yeah, be that, able to that's push a through, fascinating push one. through, push through in a yeah. way that if you've only been doing it for a year, you may not have that perseverance, that ability to push through the tough days, like yeah. the difficult days when you don't want to do it. But somebody who's been doing it for 30, 40 years will. I mean, millennials, we started when, you know, Photoshop was pretty new, like Gen, Gen yeah. Zers don't understand that. So we have the grit to push ourselves through. I mean, we started bef- we started working on these designs before their internet was even around. So it's like, if, your we, first, if we can make it. What was it. your first uh, Photoshop <laughs> version? Um, oh, do you remember? Two? I think it was, yeah, two or three. I don't know. It was pirated for sure on LimeWire. That's 100%. Heck yeah, me too. CS3. I bought mine on eBay. Really? No way. Like it yeah. came in a and it came in a kit, with like with all the discs that you had to install. <laughs> yeah. My first architecture I, um, software was that way. Let me see if I can find a, a picture of it here for all the, the youngins watching. Yeah, but yeah it was like I a little CS3 like box in a book. Yeah. And I I think CS3 might have been out. It. Yeah. Was it yeah. The yeah. Other one? yeah. Yes, it did. CS3 yeah. and you had to get was like out, the key generator and like figure it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or the Pirate Bay. Like, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to make some like punk rock band t shirts, you know, for my band <laughs> and for some friends. And I figured it's not that big of a deal. God's not gonna be yeah. that mad at me if I Thank if you. I pirate. It's not gonna be that mad. Did you used to play <laughs> shows often? Like did you guys yeah. used to play shows for your band? Okay, cool. Yeah, I used to I used to tour with a little uh with a with a noise a noise band out of South Florida. We were called Lesser Lights. You can look it up on Spotify. It's very loud. A la Norma Jean Botch, the Dillinger okay. Escape Plan, the Chariot. Cool. Yep. So uh, you can look Bro, it up on Spotify. Lesser Lights. It is very loud and it is very fast. And uh, yeah, I played guitar in that band with some of my best friends. And uh, yeah, it was a special time. Can in my we life. just can we just talk about real quick? I know this is not off topic, but I just want to say this because you said it. Norma Jean. The that album mm-hmm. Bless the Martyr, Kiss the Child. When my husband showed mm-hmm. me that, yes. it was like life changing. Like literally, yeah. I remember it was when I first started designing, and I was so. I mean, I'm still visual, but like I would read the lyrics from that, that, and like yeah. As Cities Burn, like changed the way I design, like 100. percent Like just yeah. visually seeing the way they like. I don't know it. Those albums and that just was changed. that was Josh Scoggin who that was Josh Scoggin who was the vocalist who eventually went and started the Chariot and yeah. uh, and then yes. that's the first time I ever heard of that's the first time I ever heard of Aaron Weiss from uh, Me Without You because he was on yeah. Memphis Will Be Laid to Waste so yep. I I wasn't even gonna say this but yeah the crowning jewel of our entirety of playing as a band we or, we opened up for Norma Jean 
we opened for Norma Jean in South Florida. Nice. Uh, and yeah, in, I don't know, 2016 or something. It was, a, it was really cool. But uh, you talking about that made me think of the album, Oh God, The Aftermath. To this day, some of my yeah. favorite graphic design work that's ever been done, if you look up the artwork for Oh God, The Aftermath, I don't even know who did the layout, but it's mm. unbelievable. Yeah, it is. It stands the test of time. That was probably 2006 or something, you know? Yeah. So anyway, no, yeah. legitimately like and I and I feel like this is this is another I, we always talk about that. We always have these ideas for topics. But Josh, I feel like this is a topic that I could riff on for like a hot minute is like album art that influenced yeah. like your original style, like Sun I Loved You at Your Darkest as Cities Burn. The oh, album yeah. art for that literally like changed change the way I, I saw art. Like, I mean, it's so basic. It's so simple. It's just a church with roots coming out the bottom, but like yeah. it, it spoke to me so much and just the album and the lyrics, like lyrically, it changed my whole trajectory for sure. Well, now I got to go look at the vinyl real quick and see if I got one here sitting behind me. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I'm definitely adding that to the list, Ashley. So I know we're going to talk about our, our family, our creative family tree, but I yeah. think having an episode about like, um, oh, Invisible Creature's good. Um, the, like, when you, like, everybody knows that moment when you, like, woke up and you're like, oh, music is a thing. Like, I can pick the songs that I'm listening to and I can buy that CD. Like, I remember yeah. that, that, that feeling like, oh, oh, like, like, bands are different. It's not just, like, radio sounds, you know? Yeah. And I think the same thing for, like, like, when was the first time you're like, oh, crap, like, somebody designed that and I like it. Yeah. Like, how do you do that job? How do you do that? I want that job. When I saw this cover right here and I thought that's bold and beautiful and assaulting and amazing. I mean, that one. (laughs) And then uh, that's it. And then I got into heavy music and I found a band called the Code Orange Kids. If you've never heard of Code Orange, they Mm. released this album, which is called Love is Love. And then uh, my buddy Joel Davis used to sing, used to sing for this band right here based out of Tampa and they put out this this record called Oh Ransom Son, Ascend the Hill. Some OG oh, yeah, okay. stuff Ascend there. The hill. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that that record, that album art really inspired me. And there's a dark version of it. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Album art. Album art. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's because it maybe maybe because it, it it works in so many different mediums. Maybe because it yeah. can work in a digital format and uh in a in a video format and in a print format. I don't know. There, yeah, there well is just having a lot having the about. yeah the lyric the lyric book with the art and reading the lyrics with it and listening to the music. It was like sensory, mm. like overload. Like it was like, yes. Showbread did everything. a similar deal. Like they yes. wrote like a, a soundtrack style thing. And they had Wait, yeah, you just think showbread. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Showbread sick. Josh dies was, I was obsessed, not like in love, but like obsessed with him. Like, like, like. His, well, no, like literally I was like his biggest fan in like his books, his lyrics, like the art they would do, like actual yeah. showbread. One time, I know we're getting off topic, but I just get so excited. One this time, great. my husband and I had, because we used to do shows, you know, like here. And, yeah. Yeah. and Josh Dice came through doing an acoustic tour and he stayed at our apartment with us. And I what? legitimately was like, so excited to be like, how do you like write these things? Like, you're so smart. Like, you're I just like, you're like fangirling cool. out for 48 hours. For real. Like, like, I couldn't sleep. I'm just I was trying so to. Excited. Yeah. Cause just like creatively, he, he used to blow my mind. Like, he was amazing. Yeah. Showbread you know what was I like loved the Christian about Blood Brothers. They were they were amazing. And the, the, that one record, I don't remember what it is, but it's so collage 
you know, there's collage happening. There's hand illustrated yeah. stuff. What What is that record? It's the big record. Um, it's got like the deer on it and it's like this. It's oh, like this yeah, yeah. No, sir. Nihilism. No, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, sir. Yeah, that artwork yep. is dope. Yeah, it's sick. so good. Me I, um, I mean, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, one of the things that I loved about that era of life too is uh, being exposed to stuff for the first time. Like, mm. Showbread was disruptive in a way. And like, I know, like, you take any of these hardcore bands, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, like, they're loud and crazy. They, you know, push the amps over, whatever. But like, Showbread, I remember they would like tell jokes in the set. And it was like, mm -hmm. uh, he, uh, it, it was stuff that like completely didn't make sense either. It's like, you can do that. Like, you're allowed, like, yeah, like, there's no rules. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, me without you did like, a show one time where they, taped they had like bouquets of flowers all over the stage and it was like this crazy thing and they would pick up these flowers and they'd just go to town and aaron weiss would dance around with a bouquet yeah. and it was like it was like this it was this like uh punk rock aggression met like feminine uh mm -hmm. i don't know like it was like this whole thing this, and it like, was a indie they, like they bring plants out yeah. on stage yeah it was so freaking crazy nobody yeah, had ever done cool. anything like that yeah nobody yeah had ever done they that. were me without you too it was just yeah life-changing for sure all right, but now I listen to it and I can't get into it anymore. Like the music with me without you, I'm like, uh, <laughs> mm. I can't, I yeah. can't. And Showbird too, era. a little bit. Like sometimes I'll listen to it. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool, but I like, I couldn't just sit and like jam that anymore. But I yeah. can go back and do like the hits, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's so interesting the ones that that have like staying power. Like I can go hang out with uh, the Chariot for a hot minute still. Yeah, I can do some August Burns Red for a couple hours. Yeah. I can do Devil Wears Prada. But like, yeah, like showbread. I'm not. I'm not chilling for an album. You know. Yeah. 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 For sure. I get that. That's because we lost um, our teen angst. <laughs> we're not. We're not I angsty teens though, anymore. Showbread had that album, uh, the Jesus Lizard. I think. Yeah. Or it had a song. Yeah. One of the songs is Jesus Lizard, and it's the album with like the like crocodile thing on it. And mm -hmm. that made me so like inspired that literally like all the dinosaurs and stuff that when we, Sean and I just got married right when that album came out, we named our dog dinosaur. Cause I was so obsessed with like just sick. the visuals of dinosaurs and like how he, I don't know. I just, he was so cool. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm trying to find it. There's a, I, I'm, I'm, bl I'm blanking on all the important reference points here, the song name and the guest artist name. Um, but there was uh, the maybe you guys could help me. Cherry did one with uh, a, uh, like he's like a no name rapper. Dan Smith um, from Dan Listener. Smith. Listener. Yes. And like mm, that yeah. song. So like the song is nuts because obviously like the chariots going crazy for, you know, 10 minutes or whatever and like doing their thing. Yeah. And then they've got a, a, like a classical, like harpist in there. And then they've got Dan Smith going on in his little segment, but, and so like, it sounds like you go to three very different places over the course of the song. For but sure. on top of that, there is a, a, a music video where they run through that whole thing live in a studio. And so One the camera guy's like going to the different rooms and like, uh, like it, it's all happening. It's not, you know, edited in or whatever. Um, I'm going to yeah. try and find that. You remember what song that is? Is it speak? Yeah, no, 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 no. It's uh it's a name. It's a name. It's, um, oh man, it's kind of a, 
If you read them off, that all the all the all the songs on that record were names. I think it was off of Long Live. David Delahaz. Yep, that's it. That's the one. All right, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a link here in the in the chat. So I, I feel like we might. There, there's two groups of people that are watching right now. They're either like fully invested and real hyped with us and like, yes, that was my childhood. Or they're like, yeah. what is happening? I came here for design talk and we're in. No, uh, can I can I just say I'll 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 wrap up our like old like emo angst. I thought it was so funny because have you guys so did you did you guys like look at getting tickets for when we were young or anything yes. like that? Uh, or even like briefly, but then like it sounded like a scam like ASAP. Yeah, like I had a bad feeling Armor about it. for sleep now, and he was posting all these videos of backstage and everything. And I was yeah. just like, goodness gracious, man. So I just want to say, because I was the same way, like Josh, when the first of the tickets came out, I was like, I have a weird feeling about this. This feels very Firefesty to me. So I was like, I'm not, <laughs> not going to do it. And sure enough, Agreed. the day we were going to go was the day where we it was, it got canceled last weekend because of the wind. But anyway, all that to say, like watching the Wait, videos. They the actually night, played any sets? Yeah. Yeah, it went through. Oh, like, really? Happening. Yeah. But no, that's the thing. That's the funniest part. Cause like my husband and I, cause like when it first came out, they're like, oh, we sold out in four hours, 80,000 tickets. And my husband and I are like, no way they sold that many tickets. Right. Like this scene was so underground. There wasn't that many of us. And then you watch the thing and there's literally like 80,000 people. So it's so funny and ironic to me that like we thought we were so like, oh, we're so like, different but it's like we're, yeah. it's like the majority of like the united states like our age like all listen to the same music it's like we're not that different like I'm everybody alternative. To i skateboard and listen to loud music yeah, like I, I listen to my chemical this, romance okay so yeah. i'm so different like everybody it's like y'all it was so on mtv funny. it was on mtv it wasn't that underground yeah, yeah. i know like, <laughs> you know what i mean so funny yeah. like at the time uh -huh. i literally thought we were like yeah we're so like niche like we're so different but like really yeah. like everybody listen to it like it's so funny wild sure. times oh man well guys as always this has been a fun adventure hopefully there we we covered some things of value i feel like we talked about some serious important like yeah. uh, meaningful things but then we also have some fun and just just let it all kind of hang out here guys that's going to be a wrap for today though huge shout out to austin plus scott i've got links for his stuff i'll drop it down in the show notes um definitely check out uh, his other projects and shows he's got going on. Um, tune in live weekly Fridays at 1 p.m. Uh, if you would do me a huge favor, hit like, hit subscribe and share this video. Like really think about it. And like, who's like, Hmm, I think little Johnny would like this episode. <laughs> Send it to little Johnny. He needs it sometime over the next couple of days. Um, yeah. Love you guys until next week. Adios. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you had as much fun as I did. You can join us for live recordings each week on YouTube on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern. We'd love to have you. And you can visit FreelanceFridays.live for more info or to nominate a guest for an episode on the show. If you like the show and you want to show us some love and help us keep this party rolling, take a second and share a link to this episode with a friend. Until next time, adios. Adios.